Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Fifty years ago today, the iconic TV sitcom MASH premiered on CBS on September 17, 1972. I spoke to the great Alan Alda in 2018 about his clear and vivid podcast and his memories of MASH, the finale of which still holds the record as the most watched event in TV history. Thanks so much for joining us, Mr. Alda. Thank you. It is very nice of you. Thanks. Now, uh, we want to tell our listeners that the reason we're catching up with you here, I mean, there's so much we could talk about, but we got to start with uh, the fact that you have a new podcast. I guess it's in its second season here, right? Uh, explain uh, what the deal is with this podcast. We just started a second season. The podcast is called uh, Clear and Vivid. And the reason it's called Clear and Vivid is that it's about how we talk to each other, how we connect to each other, relate to each other, so that we can get get things done and get past the friction of different different opinions and different uh, ways of looking at things. Uh, so I'm, I talk on the podcast. It's all conversations. It's not, you know, I don't, I don't expound on my views. I just have conversations with people who have been ex- extremely successful at connecting with other people and solving problems like... Uh, like the guy who brought peace to Northern Ireland. The people hated each other and were killing each other for generations, and he found ways to bring them together, George Mitchell. Uh, the comedian Sarah Silverman, who who found somebody who hated her so much on Twitter that he just had a one-word, one-hate-word tweet to her. And she got in touch with him and found out he was in tremendous physical pain. He had been abused as a child. She got him free therapy someplace. Instead of reacting with hate back again, she helped him, and now they're friends and they communicate all the time. Isn't that amazing? I I, I suppose it's not going to work with everybody, but (laughs) it's it's an amazing story of success at reaching out to somebody instead of, you know, the the old thing of offering a a hand instead of a fist. And uh, the the techniques are amazing that that these people have figured out. There's a hostage negotiator who said who told me that his techniques for negotiating the release of a hostage can be used in a marriage. So <laughs> I could see that. I don't know. <laughs> it's a joke in there somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love the concept. It's great and we need it right now. Um but how do you actually I mean obviously it's in the last couple of years I mean it, the, the answer is almost obvious of of why we need this. I feel like we're, you know, public discourse is is coarsened and you know the the food fight politically is is more than it's ever been. Everyone's, you know, tribal and in their own corners now. But what are you just sitting around home one day thinking, "Man, how can I how can I try to heal the world a little bit?" Like how, how did you actually come up with the idea to begin with? Like, "Oh, let's do a podcast." It grew it grew out of my interest in in 
in this whole subject because I, I started to realize when I was doing a science program on public television called Scientific American Frontiers, and I was interviewing hundreds of scientists, and I realized that what was making, what was giving the scientists a chance to be clear about what he or she was working on was this relationship we had. We had a, an open, relating, there was an openness in the way we related to each other. And that really had to do with listening. And I realized that we were discovering a way to make something complex clear and vivid. And then I helped start the Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University to try to help scientists do this all over the world. And we've trained over 12,000 scientists. And they started coming to me and saying, this training is saving my marriage because it works outside of communicating science. If you can communicate something as complex as science, you can communicate your emotions. You can communicate how you feel about things, what your point of view is about a given situation. And so I started the center, the, uh, the podcast, and not just to do a podcast, but when the podcast has ads on it, and any profit that comes in from that is all going to all going to the Center for Communicating Science. So it's it's all helping in various ways. But we talk about things that are fun. I, I talk, in the second season, we'll be talking with Dr. Ruth, and she's adorable. She's such a, so wonderful person. But she, you, there's a whole angle on communicating um, that's different. I mean, it's not Northern Ireland. It's right there in bed. Yeah, while we're talking, while we're talking with the Mash Gang, we we were going to record it yesterday, and we had to postpone it because Jamie Farr, uh, who you, I'm sure you know, played Klinger. Yeah, he he almost lost his house in the fire, and so we have to postpone the talk until he gets the pieces back together of his life. But the, this week, the first episode of the second season, I talk with Michael J. Fox, which is a wonderful conversation. This guy is so amazing. Oh, wow. Did you already, did you already record that one? Or you, you I did, I did, I did. And, you know, we, we, shared, we shared some stuff together because about three or four years ago I was diagnosed with Parkinson's too. Oh. So we were comparing notes. But this guy has had it since he was 29. Wow. And he's, he's, he's conducted a life where he's found a way to keep acting even though he's got this progressive disease and his communication is so good he's raised almost a billion dollars to to find a cure for parkinson's it, it he's an amazing guy he's really inspiring to listen to and when does and that funny. when does that funny guy when does that episode me? when does that episode drop it's on now it's a, you can you can get it now you can get it you can go to alanalder.com and and go to Clear and Vivid and you get Michael Fox, or you can get it on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, or however people get it. That's so Fox great. Podcasts. Everybody's got to go listen to that now. Michael J. Fox and you talking, oh my God, that's that's amazing. Um, you mentioned that you you're gonna, you had to postpone one with, with the MASH gang. When 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 are you going to try to get the, get everyone together? How many people are going to be in it? Is it like a cast roundup, or is it just you and Jamie Farr? Or who, yeah, who all's no, on it's, it? The, it's, the, it's the cast. Loretta, Swit, and I will be talking from New York, and Mike Farrell will be in a studio in L.A., and Jamie Farr will be on the phone from his from his house in, uh, in Bell Canyon, and wow. Gary Berghoff will be on the phone from Northern California. 
and it, 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 it's the first time we all, those all of those people have got together. Even though we try to have a dinner every year, we can't all make the dinner because Jamie is off doing a play. Gary lives someplace else. Right. Loretta's off in someplace else. This will be the first time we're talking voice to voice, even though we're not in the same place. Hmm. For, for, we, haven't, we haven't been together like this for several years. So it's going to be a really nice get-together. And I want to talk about what we discovered as actors that helped us relate in ways that are that are necessary in a show like that. But these, these ways we found of connecting are unusual. They're usually not done by actors in other other companies. I've been in I've been acting for a long time and I've never seen people do what we did. Absolutely. It's amazing that well first of all, I want to know were you a fan of the Robert Altman movie when it came out in 1970 because that was amazing and all of a sudden, you know, Donald Sutherland, you know, and you're taking over that role, but to me what's amazing about the chemistry that you and Loretta and Jamie and Harry and William all you guys had was Usually a TV spinoff would just be a throwaway. You know, everyone would remember the original, the movie. But it, when we think of those characters, we think of Hawkeye and Hot Lips and Klinger. And all, we think of you guys. I mean, what? how did you guys take something that was pre-existing like that? And now maybe it's just because you're the household names we saw you in our living rooms every night. But you guys became those characters. And we loved your versions of those characters. Well, I, w- one, one reason is we told the story 250 times <laughs> 11 years, it kind of embeds itself in your mind. They had an hour and a half to tell their story. But I, I think uh, that's probably the main difference because we used many of the same sets. We used the same basic location. We were telling stories about the same characters. But we had our own way of doing it. We had our own flavor. So it, it's hard I, I think it's just a repetition of seeing it over and over again. But then, then interestingly, there there are people who talk to me about the movie as though I was in it. <laughs> and I have to explain, I wasn't in the movie. I was on the TV. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a favorite moment that you still look back on that either both that well favorite moment that cracks you up and still gets you in stitches, and one that's sort of touching? I don't. You know, I. The, I, I, in 11 years, there were so many wonderful things that happened, both as as uh, as a person and as an actor, that it's hard to say I like this one better than the other one. There, there were times when we told a story in a completely different way from the from the conventional way of telling a story, and everybody on the set was galvanized. The prop person was more excited about that episode the, the the extras were more excited it, there were there were there were things that brought us together the the pizza we would have on friday night and sit around and talk about the previous week yeah uh, th- those were things that n- nobody would see watching the show but it, they were things that made the show what it was and speaking of bringing everyone together, I mean that that finale of that show is still it's still the top rated uh, TV moment in history. And I sort of lament the idea that we might not, you know, TV's so splintered now between all the cable, and there's a lot of quality television. We're in a golden age of sorts. But um, do, do you do you sort of lament the idea of everyone coming together and watching the same shows, and then sort of tie that into? Oh, that's kind of ties into the clear and vivid thing too. Of you know, we need the, that sort of commonality. Communication is being lost. 
Yeah, no, I don't mind that things are splintered. Now that means nobody will kill our record. <laughs> it's safe. What, are you kidding? <laughs> it's safe. You're the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun to have that record. But it was an amazing moment. We didn't know how popular the show was until the night the last episode was playing and we were on our way to a restaurant to celebrate while the country was watching the show, and suddenly we realized the streets were practically empty. <laughs> and we said, oh, my God, they're all home watching the show. And but and just sort of, and speak to sort of how it was nice that everyone, like there was a time when we all did, we had those common touchstones, and I feel like that's kind of lost. Yeah, I, that, that may be, that splintering I'm not happy about. If, if, if we splintered, into different points of view and actually listened to one another's point of view, that would be something. That would be great. But we don't. The points of view are are phrased in terms of disdain, sometimes even hate. And that's that makes it hard. you got to work harder. The way, as we were saying in the early part of our conversation, the way people like uh, Sarah Silverman, the hostage negotiator, Dr. Ruth, listen to the other person no matter how how odd or distasteful what the other person is saying might be if we can listen a little better i think we can work better together some people it's not going to work on some people but we there's a lot of people we can try it on and we surprise at the effect it has Absolutely. Well, before we go, I have to a- ask you one final question. My favorite, I mean, everyone remembers you from MASH, but I, I freaking love Crimes and Misdemeanors. Just memories of working on that. And you were kind of the more s- side story comic relief to the Martin Landau, you know, murder <laughs> murder plot stuff. But I think that's one of the more, I mean, yeah, there's so many comedies of manners in his filmography, but that one, man, that one struck a nerve with me. Memories of working on I, that. I think it's one of the best movies ever made in the in America. It's I think it's an extraordinary a good movie. It, the, the, the serious stuff is poignant and, and, and covers a theme that, that almost is never covered, that people do bad things and don't necessarily feel bad about it. I mean, we like to think that a murderer's conscience will get him eventually, but not necessarily so. And the comedy is very high-class comedy, I think. But... Uh, that was that was the first time I worked with Woody Allen, and that was a, a wonderful experience. I was so I'm very glad to be in that picture. Yeah, and those final moments right at the end when they do that voiceover, the montage at the end, you know, in, in the hope that future generations will know more. And I hope that's what we do with the podcast. So th- thank you. That's my best way to tie it back around. So thank you yeah, so. Good, good, good tie up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, Alan, Anna, again, uh, give us a little plug. Where do we where do we listen? You listen to Clear and Vivid. Uh, anywhere, any place you get you, where you get your podcast. If you're not used to getting podcasts, go to alanalda.com and look for Clear and Vivid, and you can listen right there. And you can subscribe, and it's all free. All right. And and all the and all the any 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 uh, profits that the podcast makes, even though it's free, there are ads. Any profits it makes from ads all goes to the Center for Communicating Science, which makes the world better in a lot of ways. Awesome. Well. Been a pleasure, Mr. Hawkeye. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.
Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.